Welcome back to season three of the On My Heart podcast. I'm your host, Scarlett, and I am so thankful to be back for another season to hear more of the life-changing news of the gospel and learn practical ways that we can live for His glory and look a little bit more like Jesus Christ every single day. My prayer is that this season is glorifying to God and a blessing to you. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, everyone. Today we have Gannon Hamilton to share his testimony with us. I know Gannon through Grace Chapel, where we both attend church. He's also married to Catherine, who is really the sweetest person in the whole world. And she's been a longtime role model and um, friend to me. And we're not here to talk about Catherine, but um, just something about their family. Catherine, um, we have the same birthday, fun fact. And every year, she was like, I don't know, in her 20s, and I was 12, awkward, chubby, really not the cool little teenager. And she took me for my birthday every single year. And that was her birthday, too. And just as she would spend time with me, anyways, you picked a good one, Gannon. So (laughs) I just wanted to share that with y'all. Probably none of y'all care, but we love you, Catherine. Shout out to you. And um, But seriously, Gannon, thank you for being here to share your story. Um, And just help us boast in Jesus Christ and his amazing work and salvation and redemption and fulfilling his promise to make us more like himself, even in spite of us. So thank you again for being here today. Of course, uh, and I agree, Catherine is the sweetest, uh, and we do love her. Uh, <laughs> Just had to give her a shout out, of yes. course, she's the best. But I'm going to uh, go ahead and get you started. We might talk about Catherine some more later, who yeah. knows. <laughs> but um, Yeah, she'll come up. Um, but what is your testimony, Cannon? Well, uh, first I want to say, you know, it's an honor to, uh, to share my story, to share how... Uh, God has changed my life, uh, and it, it is, it's quite a journey. There's several, I've learned over the course of my life that there's several people who share uh, a lot of um, my struggle, and I hope that my testimony can help, you know, some people who are also struggling. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess the overarching story is that uh, I am a sober alcoholic. I've been sober for 15 and a half years. Mm. And uh, the most important part of that sobriety is that uh, I was was delivered from uh, hopelessness, basically. Mm. Um, My, uh, I guess I'll start all the way from the beginning. So... Um, I was born in at Baptist East, right around the corner from here. I grew up in Germantown. My parents split up at a young age, so young that I don't really even remember them being together. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was normal for me. Uh, both of my parents uh, were alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father quit drinking when I was around 16 years old. My mother quit. I'm I'm sorry. My mother never quit. She actually died an alcoholic. She mm-hmm. died of cirrhosis, which is you know directly attributed. For her, it's directly attributed to her drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is you know it's it's a really sad way to watch somebody pass. Yeah. Uh, it's a sad life. It's a lonely life. Uh, I can say that, mm-hmm. you know, from my own experience. Um, back to childhood. My life was fairly normal in spite of the fact that both of my parents were alcoholics. They definitely did their best. 
Uh, they raised me and my sister uh, well. I have a twin sister named Shannon. Uh, <laughs> I love that. When I first heard that, I was like, Shannon and Gannon? How, that is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly why they picked rhyming names, but yeah, they did. So, uh, anyways, I was I was like most teenagers, or less like most kids. You know, I got to a point where I did really well in school for a while, then I got to a point where I was rebellious, and you know, I didn't want to listen to my parents or anything. Uh, my parents, my dad especially, was diligent to take us to church and you know try to inter- introduce us to things that were uh, that that gave us a moral compass. Um, because I I don't believe that you can give yourself a moral compass. Right. Uh, you can try. You can definitely try, and I did for years, but I don't think you can do that mm. yourself. Uh, yeah. The first time that I had a drink, I was ten years old, mm. which is way too young. Uh, it was my brother, my older half brother's graduation party, and when all the parents were out of the room speaking, you know, saying something about my brother, I went in grabbed a bottle of champagne, poured a very tall glass of it, and drank the whole thing, and then went outside because I was terrified that my parents were going to see me drunk at 10 years old. Mm. But it was as if a light switch had turned on in mm. in my mind, and I knew that that was what I wanted at mm. such a young age, uh, which is, you know, when I think back on it, that's just, you know, sort of a terrible thing to introduce a, a child to, but... Uh, you know, my drinking was very sporadic after that because a 10-year-old or right. anybody who's under the age of, you know, 21 really has a hard time getting, getting access it, yeah. to alcohol. So it was several years after that before I had another drink uh, when I was in high school and parties. And, you know, uh, I joined a, a band, sort of a rock and roll type band when I was in high school. And we were hanging out in places where we sort of could get access to alcohol so uh we would drink and I was always you know the excessive drinker out of out of all of my friends I sort of became known as that the the party guy or whatever um and uh I didn't really think about it that much then or for several years afterwards because it was just sort of normal for for kids for the cool kids to do that so that's what that's what I did I didn't think about why why are you drinking to excess um, and I had a thought before I was even out of high school. I was 17 years old. I, I remember I was sitting in my backyard. My mom wasn't around, and I was drinking. Uh, and just this thought occurred to me that I can't quit. I I can't stop this. Like, I can stop everything else in my life, but I cannot stop drinking. Wow. And I was 17. 17. Wow. Uh, and even then, you know, I wasn't drinking every day because I couldn't – I didn't have access to it, but – I had this thought that I just can't stop. Uh, It progressively got worse through my early adulthood. Um, You know, and most of that time was fair, still fairly normal. I had, you know, normal relationships with friends and, uh, you know, I was still playing music with my friends. That was sort of my my social outlet for years. Uh, I went to... I was enrolled at the University of Mississippi. Uh, it's really hard to say that I went to school at the University of Mississippi because I, I, I was not really attending classes, but mm. I was enrolled there for uh, my first year of college. I didn't really get serious until 
a year later when I started going to the University of Memphis, uh, or I'm sorry, a few years later when I started going to the University of Memphis. Uh, that was your first wise decision to go from Ole Miss to, Miss, to Memphis. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, my dad was like, we do not like Ole Miss, all this stuff growing up. I'm just yeah. joking with you. <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine. I understand the rivalry between the University of Memphis and the University of Mississippi is real, even though yeah. <laughs> there's not still a game every year. It is, it is real. Uh, anyways, yeah, and it, it, it was a wise decision because I got away from a lot of the things that I'd been – around um anyways uh so that was that was really when I was living in Oxford that was really when life started to get when I started feeling loneliness and despair mm-hmm. and because yeah. I, I my drinking it, it got to a point where you know some of my friends are serious about school yeah and they're you know they're working towards a goal and I didn't have a goal mm-hmm. uh and my drinking became, I think, more excessive because because of that, and it's still sort of on a subconscious level. Uh, you know, I, I just wanted to escape the yeah. fact that I can't keep up with, you know, the people yeah. who are serious, who are focused, uh, and uh, you know, because of that, because you know, I have all these from my roommate and the guys in the the bands that I was playing with, and you know. Uh, they were all of them were focused and they're working towards this goal graduating school and they have goals after that and i have i have nothing i have none of that mm-hmm. uh so uh i moved back to memphis i started i started going to school at the university of memphis and i was probably you know 21 22 years old and uh i did really well in school there and um that was one of my one of the ways that I justified drinking. Look, I'm doing good in school, and I haven't I've never been fired from a job. Yeah, I still have a relationship with my family. I still have a relationship with my friends. Yeah. So I'm doing my, good, I so have, I can yeah. Exactly, I don't have a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the alcoholics are people who stand around you know trash barrels that are on fire, yeah. and you know, and they're always lonely on the streets, and what if you know that's not me? So mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I was ignoring was that there were there were so many consequences that were starting to develop. Uh, the first time that I was arrested, I was nineteen, and it was mm-hmm. directly related to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, alcohol and drugs. Uh, and then I was arrested, you know, several times after that, and you know, it became almost like a, you know, this I'm paying taxes. It's, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, that that was the, that was my thinking, like, okay, you know, whatever. It's it's just I got to go do this, you know. Uh, hmm. So in 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 that course of time, like before I got sober, I guess between the ages of eighteen or nineteen, I suppose, and twenty seven, I was arrested five times. And I was on probation for half of that time. So half of my adult life until the point that I got sober, I was on probation. Wow. Which is, I have no idea how, how anybody could look at that as, as normal. Mm. But for some reason, you know, I was blinded to the fact that, right. this, is, that this is abnormal. Uh, there were things that I was beginning to sacrifice. Um, like I stopped playing music at mm-hmm. some point in there uh to stop playing music with other people my hobbies i'm a big fan of the outdoors it's still you know i mean I, I go fishing i do climb every mountain that i can that i can possibly <laughs> get up uh 
my relationships with other people were starting to fail. My hobbies were falling off. My career, I wasn't going anywhere. I was just mm-hmm. the regular old line cook, uh, sort of making my way through school. I was still doing well in school, uh, so I was able to hold on to a little bit of my yeah. justification, but the justification kept on slipping. Mm-hmm. So every wow. time that you know I would something would come up, I'd I'd get in trouble again, or uh, you know I'd have some kind of failure with a relationship with somebody. I, I would. I would say, okay, well, that wasn't it wasn't that bad, mm. and look at these other ways that I'm that I'm successful. When in reality, I was lonely. Yeah. I was, uh, I mean, completely lonely. Yeah. Uh, I was in despair. I was just um, felt actually by myself. Yeah. Uh, and you know, family relationships paper thin. It was just you know, really sad. Yeah. And I was drinking more and more to make that go away, that sad feeling go away. Um, you know, just, it's just a, it's, it turns into this, this cycle of your, I'm isolating myself because of drinking so yeah. much. Uh, I'm depressed and lonely. So I drink more. So then I isolate more. And I was basically living to go to work so that I could get money to drink mm. and then, you know, go to sleep, wake up, go to work, drink, go to sleep, wake up, go to work, drink. Mm. Every once in a while I'd see my family for holidays and stuff, but that was it. Um, and just alone. Yeah. Uh, no, there's no, there was no help for me that I saw. Mm. No, no, uh, actual escape, just alcohol. Mm. Um, I did have an unexplainable desire to somehow find out what is God and what is God all about. So I would look, while I was drinking, I would look on the internet, right? (laughs) It's it's funny, uh, especially in retrospect, but it was sad when it was happening. So I looked, you know, I studied, or studied, I I looked into, you know, all these different faiths, uh, all these different philosophies, you know, Eastern philosophy, Indian, uh, you know, just in Christianity, uh, you know, just looking into these different religions and, and trying to figure out the mystery. Yeah. Because I thought that there was an answer. I, or I knew that there was an answer somewhere. I just, I definitely didn't have right. it. Uh, so, um, anyways, I got, I'm trying to think of the exact date. Uh, it was October the 2nd of 2007. I was 27 years old. Um, and my life had gone from a fairly normal childhood, a fairly normal early adulthood, to just absolute despair. Mm. Uh, and something that anybody else would look on and say, that guy needs help. Mm. Uh, and I, I got arrested for the last time uh, that day October the 2nd uh, and I spent uh, I spent the night in jail and I you know they or I spent the better part of the night in jail and I I got out and you know I was feel all the normal stuff you feel guilty and ashamed and you know right back into that loneliness and despair and I drank for another 
you know, day or two, knowing that I was going to be put on probation again and, you know, that I was going to have to jump through some hoops and all, all the, you know, normal stuff that I was, the paying taxes that I was talking right. about. But th- for some reason this time, it it just felt different. It felt more heavy, like something mm-hmm. more important was, was at stake. And uh, I don't know any way to describe it except for uh, there's – I'm going to read something from yeah. uh, from a recovery book that, that I used for years uh, that I still use, that I still reference today. Uh, and this is the most uh, succinct and eloquent way that I think that the, the way that I felt has been stated. Yeah. Uh, anyways, here's the passage. No words can tell of the loneliness and despair I felt in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I'd met my match. I'd been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. Mm. Wow. Uh, that was that was the way that I felt. Wow. Uh, I was completely defeated, and there was no help. There was no. I was hopeless. And uh, I remember the last day that I took a drink, October the eleventh, uh, two thousand seven. I was wow. sitting in in that. I pushed my chair back into the corner, the corner of the house, because I was somehow terrified that, you know my probation officer or the judge or something was going to see me drinking in my house. Mm. Uh, and the, and I, I, you know, after work, I went and got a 12 pack of beer and I put it in the fridge and I was sitting there drinking and I felt nothing, mm. no, anything, no escape at all. Mm. And I was reading a book. I was trying to listen to music and the TV was on. <laughs> so I was trying every single thing Everything. that I could think of to yeah. escape from, where I was. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, rather than facing it, uh, wow. I was just trying to get away. And I said, probably the first real honest prayer that I've ever said. Mm. And the words were, were just help me. That was it. And, wow. uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe a minute later, uh, I poured the beer out that I was drinking, mm-hmm. and I haven't had one since then. Wow! And I'm I'm not I'll I will never say that I did that on my own. It was yeah. impossible for me to stop. Yeah. Uh, it was the only solution that I or that I thought I had. Yeah. Um. It was just something that day. I put it down. Kept on moving. Uh. You know, said the prayer, put it down, kept on moving, went to sleep. Didn't really think a whole lot about it. The next day I woke up and I said, I'm going to try to not drink today. And I made it through that day. Uh, and I wasn't really thinking about the that maybe help me had been answered. Yeah. Uh, I knew at some point that I was going to have to start going to recovery meetings because uh, I had been court-ordered to go to recovery meetings. Yeah. And I went to the... My first one a couple of days later, and I met some really good people, some people who actually called me and said things like, hey, how are you doing today? And I hadn't, you know, nobody yeah. asked me questions like that. Right. Uh, and, I, you know, I started talking to them and talking to people outside of the meetings and, you know, I actually started going to meetings regularly, way more than I was ordered to go. Yeah. Uh, and that became the the answer to, to the prayer, help me. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. You know, still didn't really understand who who I'd said help me to, or you know yeah. what what how the prayer had been answered, or yeah. or any of that. But somehow it was 
it was answered. Um, and I started looking into what recovery is, and I'm talking about 12-step recovery uh, and, you know, what 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 the process is, you know. So I, I started meeting with a – I had, you know, developed a relationship with a mentor. Uh, the mentor started helping me through the steps. Uh, and at some point after, you know, a couple of weeks, a month or so, I looked back and thought, I've been sober for the longest time that I've been sober since yeah. I was 17 years old. Wow. Uh, or without a drink, I should say. Um, maybe three or four months in, I started to actually work the steps of recovery. Uh, there are 12 of them. And I think the first time that I tried to work them, you know, I, I got to the fourth step, which is a pretty demanding step. It's, it's ask us to basically write down all of the things that we have done that are wrong. Mm. Uh, there's, there's more to the process, but that's basically what, what the process entails. Uh, and then the following step is to admit those to somebody else. So to sit mm. down and confess. Uh, these uh, th- those are things that I didn't want to do at the time. Yeah, I didn't know it, uh, but I didn't. I was terrified of self examination first, uh, of actually looking at myself and saying, "Wow, I'm, I'm a mess." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because I wanted to believe that I'm a good person because I do this for people and I do this for people and you know whatever. But when you really like shine a light into the darkness, it's you know you see things that you don't want to see. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't work the steps all the way through that time. It took me five or six years in recovery. So, you know, we're talking, I was in my early thirties, uh, to actually work the steps. Honestly, I met a man named Brad. Brad is, um, he's a Christian. He's, uh, he, Brad always had a smile on his face and it was a real smile. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'd see other people in recovery, you know, that I just didn't, I, I couldn't trust that they were as genuine as Brad was, that their, that their, you know, happiness or whatever was as genuine as Brad's was. Uh, so, you know, and he, every time that he spoke in meetings, he was, it, he just had this wisdom mm-hmm. that uh, I couldn't quite understand. And he always, he would always share stuff, or not always, but often share stuff and say, a wise man once said, and uh, I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but the wise man that he was talking about was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, anyways, I, you know, I, I trusted that he had something that that I wanted. I yeah. wanted that kind of happiness where I could sit down and smile at people, and and those people look at me and know that I was genuine. Mm. Uh, so I asked him to be my sponsor, my mentor. And I actually worked the steps honestly with him. Uh, it was a lot of uh, thought, and I filled up a couple of notebooks. Uh, some of those notebooks were, you know, there was one that was the things that I did wrong, and I mean, you know, a notebook. Uh, and you know, I did an awful lot of self-examination and connecting it to, you know, what what I'm afraid of. So, like, why did I do this thing? It's because. I'm afraid of such and such and whatever. So I learned an awful lot about myself. But, you know, what what does that what does that give us? It just gives us an idea of what what's wrong with us. Sort yeah, of gives us wow. an idea of what what's wrong with us. Uh, 
it's the confession part that really, you know, starts the, the you know, spiritual or mental recovery, I yeah. guess we should say, I should say. Uh, so, you know, the, the first thing in recovery, the first thing that you have to understand is that you are powerless. I understood that. My, my experience, you know, pointed to that. I was that hopeless feeling that I had the last night that I drank. Yeah, it made that perfectly clear. I'm powerless. Uh, and then you have to understand that there's you have to have at least an idea that there's something that you know out there that can help you. Yeah. Uh, I understood that as well because of that prayer that I said, "Help me." Something had obviously helped me. I, yeah. I, one day I could not stop drinking. The next day I was sober. Making through it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was not, I did not do that on my own. I couldn't do that on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next part of the process is the self-examination and then confession. Uh, and then a realization of, of your character defects and very thorough prayer about your character defects. Now, I still didn't know exactly what I was praying for. Yeah. Uh, and who I was praying to Mm. but Brad told me just just do this just keep praying Mm. and uh and he gave me you know we were done we we did uh you know we did we did a couple of things he shared with me his story um you know he gave me some bible verses to read so I thought you know I've never really read the bible let me give it a shot and I I I think I stopped in Leviticus. <laughs> and, you know, I just, I tried, I, I, you know, he gave me verses that coincided with the, the 12 steps. I think that the people who wrote uh, the book that I was just reading from borrowed very heavily, uh, especially from the book of James, uh, the fourth mm. chapter of the book yeah. of James. Every time that I hear it, or every time that I look through it, it it's it's just like that. It's, it's, uh, you know, it tells us that we're the problem, yeah. and it gives us, it gives us a solution. Right. Uh, anyways, uh, he, you know, he shared a lot of this stuff with me, and I, I didn't really think about it that much until maybe a year after that. I started to feel like, you know, a little bit like I was, you know, sort of backtracking or moving in the wrong direction. And for an alcoholic or an addict, if you know. If you start regressing, it can be deadly. Right. Uh, so I knew that I had to do something. So I started praying again for, you know, something. Right. Uh, once again, I don't know exactly who who it is that I'm praying to. You just to. knew it worked the first time. Yeah, so. I knew that it worked the first time. Uh, there's a another passage in uh, in this book that says, when we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. Mm. Which sounds an awful lot like... James, James 4. Yeah, yeah, chapter 4, verse 8, draw an eye to God and he will draw an eye to you. Yeah. So I prayed that, mm. uh, that God would disclose himself to me. And, uh, you know, he did. Yeah. Uh, there was one night I was, uh, I was asleep and there wasn't anything any different from that night yeah. from anything else that had happened 
uh, any other day. I just went to sleep, and at some point in the night, I had this dream. And in my dream, there was a shadowy figure standing in front of me and very bright light behind it. And I, you know, I'm not going to explain, I'm not going to try to say that this was something yeah. supernatural. It was a dream. Right. You know, but the figure asked me if I believed that Jesus died for me. And um, I didn't really know how to answer. So I thought about it kind of like I, I was awake and I thought, okay, so Jesus was a martyr. You know, he died a martyr's death. And he believed that he was dying for good people. So, yes, he died for me. But but, I knew all the way through me that that was not the question that was being asked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I thought through it a little bit more while, you know, in this dream. And my conclusion was yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next morning I wake up and I was thinking, man, that was strange. That was a a strange dream. dream. Yeah. You know what? What was that all about? And then I started thinking about that in my in my waking wow. life, and I said, "It's true. I believe. Wow. I believe this." And wow. uh, it was, you know, it was that. Yeah, it was. It was very profound moment. I wanted yeah. to wake up my roommate. And, yeah. You know, tell him like, "Hey, this is what's." But I think he probably would have thought that I would lost my mind or <laughs> something. Uh, it was earlier than I usually wake up and I just I didn't know what to do so uh you know I just kind of kept on going going with life you know and didn't know who to tell or what whatever uh but my life was completely different it was just like the drinking where you know one one day I can't stop Mm. and the next day I was sober wow you know one day I was really confused and the next day i I know what the answer is. Wow. Uh, and the answer is, of course, is Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so it took me quite a while to tell Brad. I told one of my other friends first, one of my coworkers uh, that I was pretty close to at the time. And I, and I asked her, what, what am I supposed to do? And she said, read the Bible. And I said, I, I already tried that. <laughs> I got stuck in Leviticus. She's like, don't read Leviticus. Start somewhere else. <laughs> don't start with that one. <laughs> and I said, where, where do I start? And she gave me a couple of suggestions. Mm. And then I called my, uh, I called Brad, the guy who was, had, at this point, had become, you know, sort of a spiritual mentor as well. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And he said the same thing, read the Bible. And he said, you know, read, read the Proverbs, read, you know, read, the Psalms, read, you know, everything, read the Bible. Uh, so, uh, I did, my friend suggested that I start going to church. I'll never forget. I called my grandmother and this was, you know, an answer to a prayer that she'd been praying since I was born. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I told her what had happened and she, she thought like, she didn't answer me for a little, she didn't say anything. And I could Mm -hmm. tell that she was crying, uh, which, you know, made me cry. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had a, lengthy conversation where both of us were sort of choked up and having a hard time getting <laughs> oh, out of words but it, so it was sweet. great yeah it was really good it's so sweet uh so uh anyways i started going to church at at uh at what's now renewal church uh and it was great i started you know very quickly developed a relationship with a pastor there his name's ron ron is 
awesome. Uh, and there were, you know, there were a lot of really good people in there. Um, and, you know, there were people who were, who, who helped to direct me to, you know, this is, this is what you, I wish that they'd been there when, when, uh, you know, the night, the night after, or the morning after I had that dream, uh, to ask, like, what am I supposed to do? Right. Uh, but anyways, a couple months later, I get, I get there and, um, you know, started asking people the same question, what do I do? And they said the same thing, read the Bible. Uh, anyways, it was just, it was so, so far from where, from where I had been, you know, I guess at this point we're, you know, I'd been sober for about seven years, but so far right. away from where I'd been. At that time, the only prayer that I knew was help me. Yeah. And so much had changed. It's amazing. My whole, my whole life had changed. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, so it's, you know, just, yeah, I, I can't, I can't put into words how much my life has changed yeah. since, since then. Uh, I can I can try to explain what what it's like now. Yeah. Uh, I think that something that I hear in recovery and just in life in general is that if I had if I had prayed if I had been given what I prayed for when I first was you know sober if I had been given that and just that I would have shortchanged myself mm-hmm. uh, because um, God knows what we need yeah. and He knows how to get us there. Yeah. Uh, I have Catherine. I have we have two great children. They're uh, the cutest kids ever. I can yeah. I can attest to that. <laughs> they are. Uh, I have um, you know this just wonderful life that I I, I could not have prayed for. Mm. Uh, I would yeah. not have even thought to pray for. Right, not even known. Yeah. Uh, you know, at at some point along the way, after after I developed a relationship with Catherine, I started going to uh, Grace Chapel, and um, was very attracted to, uh, I guess, the doctrinal differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, just grace. Yeah. You know, grace is a word that I say when I do. I, I don't go to recovery meetings that much anymore, but when I do go to them, I say the word, if I'm asked to share, I say the word grace probably three or four times. Yeah. You know, in the, in the span of two minutes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that just that we are given grace is, it's just, it's amazing. It's incredible, because, yeah. You know, look back on my life, I don't deserve grace. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I don't think that any of us do yeah. actually deserve grace, but yep. we're we're given it because God is merciful. Yeah. Uh, and I've been given a lot, a whole lot of grace. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I you know, appreciate that, that that is preached, that we, that, we're not responsible for the grace that we're given. We yeah. we don't deserve it. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's Jesus. Yeah. That's the answer that you were looking for. Yeah. It's amazing. I real quickly, I just wanted to point out there. I mean, I could say so many lessons, and I I, I can't wait to listen again to it. Um, but I just I'm always taking notes in these, and I I think one thing, just like practical application that and that you pointed out is we can't justify ourselves because when we do we just make excuses that's all we're actually doing when we justify ourselves this is not just about alcohol for any sin that you're doing if you're 
trying to justify yourself, it's just going to make an excuse for you being the quote-unquote good person. Um, and then our excuses just lead to our despair. Um, and that just the fact that Jesus is the only one that can justify us, and he does the perfect job. He finishes the job. He does it all. And, I, and then um, just a second thing. Again, there's so many things I could say, but... Um, just the fact that the Lord does hear and deliver his people and what he says about his word is true. What he says in his word really is true. Um, just like James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And how you didn't even know what you were even really doing, but you wanted what that man had. That you wanted for God to reveal himself to you and you were drawing near to him and that he is true to his word. And I was trying to find... Um, even just about him answering prayer when his when his true children call upon him, he will answer them. Um, and I was trying to flip. I was thinking, what is the one I'm thinking of? And I, it's not even exactly the. Um, several, I'm just going to read from several of these verses in Psalm 17. It says, um, "O Lord, attend to my cry; give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips." And then it says um, in Psalm 18. Um, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my, of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And I just loved that. I loved how that just, it, every time that I hear a testimony, I'm blown away by the fact that in a real way, it's his word just becoming a reality in your life. I mean, it's just his word being lived out through you. And that's, I could, I mean, that's the perfect synopsis of what happened. And you can't even explain it. And just, like you said, you can't even articulate it how you can, how you feel or how you describe. And I think that that is something that's so amazing that, um, that the children of God can understand. And we don't even understand it now, but, um, perfectly, but we will. And anyways, it's just amazing. And, I'm just so thankful that you, um, for your story and how you share that and just so many applications and for people who are struggling with that and, or even not, um, it's just a really amazing story and such a blessing. Um, and the second question I wanted to ask you, which is really hard to summarize in just three, but what are three characteristics about the Lord when he did reveal himself to you and disclose himself to you, um, just have become really sweet to you throughout your experience. Well, yes, it's, it's very hard to uh, to uh, condense that into you know three different characteristics, but uh, I'll give it a shot. So <laughs> God loves us greatly. Mm. Um, I I you know I would say that when I was. In, in my darkness, when I was 25 years old or so, when I was in the middle of the worst part of uh, my loneliness, my despair, my depression, my alcoholism, uh, I was agnostic. Uh, or at least I felt that way. I, don't, um, I may have been, you know, <laughs> drinking and searching for God on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was really just searching for an answer to uh you know to all all those things that I just said my alcoholism my depression my loneliness uh 
And there, there, so I, I guess I'm saying that to get to the point that there's no reason that God should, should come searching for me because I, I was not searching for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, if, if I am a child of God, he, he does come to look for yeah. me. He doesn't just come to look for me. He is, he's there. He's saving. Yeah. Intentionally saving me, not to the point of you know sending jesus jesus has purposeful yeah, yeah very purposeful uh you know jesus he, he gave his he gave his own son mm-hmm. you know specifically for the fact that that uh you know he can give mercy to yeah. us yeah uh because if his son is not our ransom there is no mercy mm-hmm. uh we are subject to the wrath of god and that means eternal separation yeah uh but he loves us. Yeah. Uh, he loves us that much. Yeah. Um, and that leads to directly to the next thing. He is faithful. Mm. I am the one sheep in 100. I'm the lost sheep. Mm. Uh, Jesus said that, you know, if a man loses a sheep, will he not, go, will he not leave the 99 and go look for the one? Uh and will he not rejoice when he finds the one? Mm. And uh, you know that's that's the way. I'm I'm the one sheep that was you know okay. So I went to a, uh, a funeral once for a man who'd been in recovery who was sober for I think he was sober for sixty four years, wow. sixty three or sixty four years. Great, great man. Uh, and on one of the uh, one of the uh, little things that they passed out, it had a, a hymn on it. Uh, on the back side of it, on the front, it was it was uh, just a picture of a sheep. And a guy, this guy was, you know, a shepherd was picking the sheep up out of... And, you know, I almost started crying when I saw it mm. at, at the funeral. I was like, that, that's me. That was mm. him. Wow. That's us. Wow, yeah. That's so... That's such a good just physical description that we can mm-hmm. relate to. Like you said, like, that's me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I struggled so long with... And, you know, still to this day, I struggle with uh, how exactly God is personal to me. I don't struggle as much as I used to. Uh, it's re- and it's it's really weird that I struggle with this because I just look at my own experience and, mm-hmm. and know that God is personal to me. Uh, you know, the, the fact that I'm, that I'm not drinking and lonely today is perfect, perfect example. Uh, but he's, you know, he's certainly personal to us. He answers prayers. He answers prayers, you know, specifically, you know. Uh, may, it may take us three or four years to look back and say, he answered that prayer exactly like I prayed for it. Yeah. Uh, but he is definitely personal to us. Yeah. Um, I, so God love loves us. He is faithful and he is personal to us. Those I love the how you just described those. And um, I... I said in the first episode which was I recorded last week that I was going to start asking this question specifically for this season so that we could gather these things um about that we learned about God in this season and just and I I've already enjoyed that question so much um and then I loved how you explained like what how that what you even mean when you say that it was just Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to describe that um any better than what you just did but God loves us greatly. God is faithful, and God is personal to me. And 
it's hard for me to even just go on after I've said that. I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. That, yeah. Like you said, that, like you said about the, the sheep, that's me. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by God's goodness in that. Um, for the third question, um, I know this is very hard, like we talked about before, but your favorite verse right now, throughout your experience, just one you have on your heart today, you can share several, just whatever you feel like to share today about your favorite verses. Okay. Um, I have 31,102 favorite verses. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, this is, this is a really hard question to answer because they're, you know, there's so, when, when I started looking, you know, thinking about this, I knew, I knew that you were going to ask me this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think it's just, yeah, it's just so hard because you think about the different characteristics of God, the different characteristics of, or, you know, Jesus as, as a man. Uh, and just that is, you know, I, I don't know, whatever. But I, you know, I pick, I pick two. Uh, the first one's Matthew uh, chapter six, verse thirty-three. Uh, yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So uh, that one is in context it's you know it's in the middle of uh the sermon on the mount uh which was something that i I memorized pretty quickly with my friend ron that Mm -hmm. i told you about uh anyway and i've i haven't worked on it in in quite a while but i know where it is in context in the context it's it comes right after this section about worry and you know worry is is the distractor fear is the or not the distractor but it's a great distractor yeah and you know it's a weapon that's used against our faith and uh yeah you know right before that he tells us the the things that he's talking about adding is you know these are uh he talks about clothing he talks about food he talks about shelter he's talking about the basic necessities of life the things that we absolutely have to have to live off of uh and if you look at the work of jesus there's no reason that we shouldn't expect that he's going to give us or i'm sorry the the work that god has done in in my life the work that god does around us yeah uh you know there's there's no reason that we shouldn't suspect that he's going to give us more than that i'm like i said my experience was that if i had if i had got you know the basic necessities of life and the few things that I prayed for when I first got sober, uh, I would have shortchanged myself. Yeah. Um, I still pray for those things. Right. I don't know what God's going to do with my life from here on out. Uh, I know it's probably going to be greater than what I, what I think right now, but, Mm. uh, you know, that, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, but the most important thing is is to to ship or when I'm in the midst of that worry a lot of time a lot of times I ask myself what am I afraid of right mm-hmm. now and it it always ends up being you know just nothing yeah uh you know it's or if I whittle it down to you know why am I actually afraid it's you know it's there's no reason to be afraid of this right. uh and it, you know I'm very quickly turned to seeking yeah uh, from fear to seeking yeah the lord that's such a good practical application that's so helpful and so true yeah and even if it is something that you can that is actually something to be afraid of you know what what more i mean what that's that's an even better reason to to seek yeah the kingdom of god and his righteousness uh so that's that's my first yeah and then uh 
my second verse is the shortest verse in the Bible. Uh, it's John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. The reason that that's been one of that's been on my favorites list for quite a while now. Uh, I think that it just says so much about the character of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because you know if if Jesus had come and had been you know the king of all of the earth, the greatest king that ever lived. And you know the the king who will be talked about for all for you know all of the rest of the earth, as we know it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and highly revered, you know, greatest greatest person ever. Yeah. Uh, he still would have humbled himself to do that. Yeah. Uh, greatly, he would have humbled himself greatly because he is he is God. Yeah. Uh, he would have humbled himself greatly to to do that. Uh, but he he went all the way. Yeah. He was our servant. Yeah. Uh, and not just that, he was you know uh, the son of a a tradesman mm. in a you know a town that most people didn't think about, and he was born in a stable. Yeah. And you know he gloriously rode into into Jerusalem on a donkey. Yeah. And people mocked him for all of these things. Uh, you know, he humbled him so he humbled himself so much that he experienced things like uh the death of a friend and he was upset about it. In spite of the fact that just just a few just a little bit before that he tells Martha, "I am the resurrection and the life." Uh, so he has confidence yeah. that that he can raise Lazarus. Right. Uh, he has confidence that that he is who he's. I mean, why not? He's yeah, he's God, he's right? God. Yeah. Uh, but even so, he's humbled himself so much that even though he has this confidence, he he weeps for his friend. And yeah. I think that you know, based on my experience, and you know, I'm sure that you can share the same thing that he weeps for all of us yeah uh you know he cares when we suffer he cares yeah yeah so i've never yeah. heard somebody explain that verse in that way and i kind of smiled when you said the shortest verse in the bible and i knew exactly what it was and i, I kind of laughed for a second because anytime our grandfather would um zach guess who is also one of the pastors at grace chapel he would say, if y'all remember having any verses? And we'd be like, yeah, Jesus wept. <laughs> and, you know, you don't really think about the weight of that yeah. as a little kid. But just you explaining that, I so appreciate that because you see so much of the character of God. He has, He is God. He has all power. He has all authority. And yet he, like you said, he humbled himself all the way. One word, one phrase that just really stuck out to me was like, he was a servant. He was our servant. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But what what in the world? You know, why? What why for me and goes back to what you learned about God. Yeah. He greatly loves us. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's it's just amazing. Like you said, we don't deserve it. It is all grace. And wow, that was such an incredible blessing. I can't wait to go back and listen to it myself. Um I had verses that I'd already um prepared and I'm just gonna read them really shortly, but they don't even after hearing all that I'm like, whoa, I I'm it's hard to even think of going anywhere else, but um, I think it does go in well with what you're just saying 
um, when I when I was thinking about having you um, and and texting you about being on the podcast, and I was thinking about your testimony and then thinking about my own, and I just kept coming to the conclusion of this verse, and I wanted to share it. It says, "But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ." By whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And I could explain that, but I'm just gonna, um, I'm just gonna read it again and let it speak for itself. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And then, um, lastly, it just talks. It's going on to talk about the boasting. In God we boast all the day long, and praise Thy name forever. And um, when we truly see the way of our sin and we see Jesus or who he is, this personal God that loves us, that weeps for us, um, then it leads to boasting. And this is praise, which is what we're made for. Anyway, so he's conforming us to be, to, to be what we were made to do. It's just, it's amazing. I can't um, explain it, like you said, like I want to. But I hope that, that um, those verses... Uh, minister to your heart like it has to mine today and um, I just hope that this has all been a blessing and encouragement to everyone and thank you all for listening but before we do stop is there anything you'd like to say in closing uh, yeah well it's it's an honor to uh, to be sitting here not not just because you know of the podcast but more because Jesus has changed my life yeah and uh, you know he can he can do that for anybody yeah yeah uh, you know, it's just this. My my life has been an amazing experience, and I hope that I hope that anybody out there can get uh, can glean something from it. Yes. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope everybody has a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. To connect with us further, you can follow us on Instagram at On My Heart Podcast, and we love to hear from every single one of you. Finally, I just wanted to leave you with a theme verse of the podcast, which is First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, and it says. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.